right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. I am absolutely thrilled to bring you today's interview with J.R. Smith. Had a blast talking with him last week about his transition into the world of competitive golf from the NBA for a long, long time, going back to school, his experience in the game, his future in the game, what he thinks he can do for the game. I'm, I'm obsessed with this interview. This is one of my favorites in a long, long time. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA Tours. You can monitor your recovery, sleep, training, and health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback from Whoop. Train smarter, recover faster, sleep better, and now feel even healthier with Whoop and their all-new Whoop 4.0, the latest, most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The new 4.0 is smaller, smarter, and designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. It features a new smart alarm designed to wake you up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the day. It was designed with their Anywhere technology, so you can wear it with their Whoop body sensor-enhanced technical garments, boxers, shorts, compression tops, bralettes, leggings, and more. Just remove the band from the device and slide it onto your garment of choice, and you're discreetly tracking your daily activity with Whoop. I promise you, if you're not wearing one of these things, you do not have as good an insight into how your body is actually performing, resting, training, whatnot, uh, as someone that does. So you can try it. The all-new waterproof device is free when you sign up for a Whoop 4.0 membership. For any members, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. And right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use code NLU15 at checkout. So go to Whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. Here's J.R. Smith. All right, man, I got to say, this is the first time I've had to move an interview back 30 minutes because the guest was in tutoring. So <laughs> tell us, tell us about, I want to hear everything about, you know, you going back to school, this process and what the, what the school part has been like so far. Man, it's been fun. It's been, it's been uh, a lot of fun, honestly. It's just, you know, learning stuff that you've always, for me, things that I've always wanted to get and understand when I was a kid growing up especially like some of the math stuff, like algebra and trig and all of that stuff. Like I never really understood it growing up, you know, it looked like just a bunch of different, once they start putting numbers and letters together, it was like cross-examination of me. I was, I was, I was done. Um, I really enjoyed uh, learning things and trying to implement these things in my daily life is probably my, my, my biggest joy. Things I, things I learned, things I want to share with my kids, uh, Overall, it's just uh, it's really refreshing for me. It's something outside the box, something I'm not used to, which uh, makes me uncomfortable, but it puts me in a position to where I have to lock in, and I, and I, I like that. So was that always your plan, you know, or I guess when, when in your NBA career did you start thinking about going back to school? I know, you know, for the listeners that aren't familiar, you had committed to University of North Carolina coming out of high school, but, you know, forego, you know, you've bypassed that to go straight to the NBA. Did you make a deal with yourself that you were always going to go back to school? What's that process like? Well, I always promised my mom that I would go back um, when I first initially left. And, you know, after 12 or 13 years, it was just like, this is not happening. Like, I'm not coming back. My mom kind of like knew what, what it was. She was like, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't really expecting you. I mean, I was expecting you to go back then, but like now seeing the way your career is going, the way everything is like, I don't, 
it's just not in the cards for you. You know, it's funny. She, we actually kind of had a similar like conversation about it and she pretty much told me that, you know, but I didn't think about going back until at, like seriously this past, uh, this past summer, beginning of this summer, talking to Ray Allen, uh, he's going to school in Connecticut, getting his degree. Uh, finishing up his master's now. It was just, when he was telling me about the whole process of him going to school, doing tutoring and stuff like that in class, submitting and doing presentations, it's just like, I was so inspired by it, listening to his stories of talking to other people and talking to other, his classmates and they're getting a, 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 you know, a different opinion from the younger version opposed to people that we just hang out with as our peers because, you know, the, the generational gap, whatnot. It's just something that really intrigued me and I wanted to do like immediately. But I always thought about it. I definitely always thought about it, but it was more like football. I always thought about like, you know, me and Brown would talk about it all the time. Like, yeah, man, we should go, we got eligibility. We should go play football. Da, da, da. And, you know, once it, it became a real thing, I actually still want to play football, but I don't think they're going to let me get away with that. <laughs> Two-sport athlete, you know, back, it would none of them be basketball if you if you were to do that now. But so well, at least take it, take a second to brag on yourself for how you did in your, your first semester or your first quarter in school. Man, I, I got a 4.0. I can't brag on myself because it was a lot of it, it was definitely a lot of work and um, it was it wasn't as uh, that's why you should brag on yourself. You put a lot of work in. I did put a lot of work into it, but it's like my that's my that's like the bar for myself that I asked to go that I'm setting for myself every semester. Um, it's not like uh, when I first heard uh, about the chances list and the dean's list and stuff like that, like my first goal was to make the dean's list and in order to make the dean's list, I think it's like a three, two or three, five or something like that that you needed to have. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely going to get that. And then as the like, you know, the first couple of weeks went through, it was more like, no, nah, I'm setting the bar too low for myself because I'm putting in, I'm, I'm, I see the dedication where I, I've uh, put the time and the effort in. I see how I'm, I'm, my mindset has changed as a person. When I when I've seen that, I was like, no, nah, I'm just setting the bar too low for myself. I really, if I'm gonna do this and do it with the best of my ability, I need to be striving for the best that it is. And that's like, you know, I put it into like basketball terms. Like when I was working out in the summer times and going into training camps and stuff like that with my teams, and I wasn't, I was preparing to win a championship. I wasn't preparing just to get to the playoffs. I wasn't preparing just to have a good season. It was prepared to win a championship. And when I think about it, my championship for me would be 4.0 at the end of the semester, each semester. So that's the way I look at it. That answers one of my questions, which is what what disciplines you learned in the NBA, you know, are, are translating over. So what was it, you know, it sounds like school was the number one motivation. When did golf enter the picture, right? You're playing at North Carolina A&T now. Like, was it, you know, a 50-50 thing? Was it kind of like, well, I'm going back, I might as well play golf. I'm fascinated by this process. So I was playing golf with uh, uh, C.J. Paul, Chris Paul's brother. And we we're playing in L.A. I was, I was living in L.A. at the time. Uh, working out, trying to stay ready for the league and whatnot. And, um, but I would play golf every day. So my, my regiment was I would work out at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., Chris Johnson. And then after that, I would play golf pretty much all day because my kids are in Jersey. So, you know, playing golf with him, he's from Carolina. He's from, uh, Chris has been doing, you know, a lot of things with uh, HBCUs. And I wanted to go to an HBCU. If, uh, more than anything. So once I once I enrolled and you know told them that I was going to Carolina A and T, they got so many ties and stuff down there in Carolina. 
It was like, man, you should play golf. I was like, bro, I thought about it. I thought about it so many times, like playing, you know, playing golf on the on on the college level or just, just, just like competing or whatever. But then I was like, man, I want to play football. He's like, man, the hell with that? Play golf. <laughs> you, you love golf. You play golf all day, every day, whatever. You good. I was like, man, you think the uh, you think I'll make the team? Like this dude's probably some sticks. He was like, man, I'm telling you, all you gotta do is play your game. I said, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put a call in. I'm gonna see what see what's going on. And then he put a call into one of the the basketball coach and him is real tight. And he talked to the golf coach, and the golf coach was like, I mean, we ain't gonna have a scholarship for him, or whatever. So he's like, coach, I don't think he's worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> he don't worry about that. He's like, all right, well, let me see if he can play. And then uh, Coach and I played, and then after that, it just took off. Well, I mean, what was your competitive golf experience to that point? When did you start playing golf? When did you – I mean, competitive golf and casual golf are two di totally, totally different things. So, what? I mean, that, that, there's, there's a steep curve there. Yeah, it's completely different. Um, for me, when I first started playing, it's been, what, 13 years now. Rashard Lewis had a golf event, or he, he his first foundation event – was a golf outing. So we were all working out with John Lucas in, in Houston um, at the time. And, you know, TJ Ford and his guys were like, yeah, we're going to Rashard's uh, golf golf tournament. Come on, man, or whatever, whatever. I'm like, man, I don't play golf. Like, my pops and my brother plays or whatever. I don't play golf. Like, whatever, I'm going to get an extra 100 shots. They're like, no, 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 come on, come on. So they convinced me to go out there. So I go out there, and um, they tell me, he's like, man, you ain't got to play. Like, you just ride around on a cart, you know, take shots, whatever. They got, they got girls out there, all this stuff. So they got cart girls and whatnot. So I'm out there just having a good time. It's a sunny day in Houston. Moses Malone, John Lucas, Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon came out there. Like, all these Houston legends and Hall of Famers and stuff. And I think Dr. J came. And I'm just like, I mean, for me, as growing up as a kid, I'm in basketball heaven, just at casual though. It's like the the temperature of the water is so easy. Nobody's in the gym, a totally different environment. And I was really feeling a vibe. And Moses Malone, I got a thing with Hall of Famers. I just can't, when they tell me something, I, I don't tell them no. Like they tell me, young fella, go give me this water. I mean, you Hall of Famers, I got no respect. I got you, you know, like, that's just the way I was, you know, my pops put me, got me like that. He's like, man, young fella, you over here laughing, joking, whatever, talking, talking shit, come hit this ball. I'm like, man, I ain't playing. Ah, come on. I go out there. He shows me how to hold the club. I'm watching everybody swing. It's like five people in a group because it's like a, he was a celebrity in his group. First time I get up there, I hit it 300 yards down the fairway. Crush Stop. it. Crush it. He's like, everybody's looking. I'm like, man, this is easy. Talking <laughs> shit. Throw the club, walk off, get in the golf cart, peel off. So I'm gloating the whole day. I'm bragging, talking, <laughs> telling the other groups, whatever. Moses is telling the other groups. I'm feeling good. So I pulled back up on his group. He's like, man, young fella, you can't do it again. Hit it, hit it again. I couldn't even hit the ball, bro. <laughs> that sounds more like it. After that, I got hooked. I was I bought like three sets of clubs that day. Uh, I bought I had like the first clubs I bought was like the Nike Sasquatch, I think it was. And then I got like these tailor-made like R7s or something like that. And then I got some Titleist. It was just like it was on and on. Now I got a garage full of clubs. <laughs> I'm going back and forth to the PGA store selling shit. But there's a whole lifestyle around like professional athletes transitioning into like a life of golf of some kind. I mean, not a lot. Of, no one's really going the route that you're going. But man, people gravitate towards pro-ams, charity golf events. And it just see that's what I, I don't I mean. I understand the appeal of golf. Golf is my life. I freaking love it. But 
I guess what in your mind, what 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 draws professional athletes to this sport as a, as a pastime once your you know playing career in your main sport is over? I think it's the the overall competition of it. You know, it's like even if you even if you're not playing against anybody else, you're playing against yourself. You're competing to be great every single day. Like, and it's like for for people who've played at the highest levels of their sports and been on the highest you know stages, I think that's the uh, a, something we chase. You know, it's a it's a feeling that we chase when you hit that perfect swing and have that perfect shot. When I'm playing in the college tournaments, I think of every shot that I take as if, you know, I'm playing in the actual NBA game. You know, if I got a corner three, I'm looking, you know, certain drives and putts and stuff like that. And it's just like the, the level of concentration is completely different when you're playing with your boys and you're just out there, you know, playing uh, – <laughs> $50 Nassau's or whatever and whatnot, opposed to when you got to put everything out for your team and, you know, everything counts. It's just like, it's funny because one of the one of the kids on the other, at another school, he caught me. Like, it was like the 15th hole and I almost forgot where I was at. Like, I almost just like, you know, scooped it up. And it's like, oh, <laughs> when you're not used to that environment and in that setting, it's just, it can be, it's an uncomfortable situation. So, but for for again for for professional athletes and people who've been at the top of their sports or game and whatever and a lot of especially like you know a lot of businessmen are like that as well you've been so successful on wall street and whatever else you think you could do anything and then when you get out there on that golf ball and you can't do it it's like it's a, it's a very it's a very frustrating game but it's a beautiful game i love it there's no cheating past it like you can't like without putting the time and effort and just a, a tremendous amount of dedication. And then once you do that, there's no guarantee you're good at it. That's the part that, you know, like, I, I don't know if you, I don't know how to ask this question basically about basketball to golf, but like I played basketball in high school. So I, I understand like how, you know, you're relying on four teammates on the court and five people you're playing against. So there's so much of the game is reacting to what's going on around you. Right. Whereas golf, all of a sudden when it becomes your turn, there is, I mean, other than like wind and whatnot, like there's nothing going on around you that matters. Like it is on you. Like you've got to figure out what you're going to do. How have you found that kind of translation? Does your experience playing professional basketball help you at all in golf or does it kind of hurt a little bit because it's so different? What's, what's your perspective on that? It, it helps and hurts. You know, it hurts when, but I kind of, I kind of change it and, and look at it kind of differently. Like my clubs are my teammates. Like my nine iron is Bron. My my, <laughs> my my three wood is Kyrie, and my putter is K Love. So it's like my, I look at my, I look at my, my bag is my teammates. Um, so it's like it's kind of, it's kind of weird. But you know, I actually envision talking to my bag and talking to my clubs. Like when I'm out there, like all right, come on nine iron, like we gotta, you know, figure it out. That makes sense. That weirdly, that makes a lot of sense. That's working for me. I might have to try that. I'm telling you, man. It's it's, it, it, it's hard because when you when you really think about it, like because obviously golf golf is a more of an isolated game compared to any other game, and people try to put that emphasis on it so bad because it comes to me, it becomes a psychological barrier. It's like I'm out here by myself. I got to figure it out by myself. I got to figure it out. It's like okay, no, I'm not by myself. I got 14 clubs in this bag. And we're going to make it, we're going to get it done. You know, whether it's, it's a matter of 
picking the right club around the golf course. If I don't have it that day, how can I use my teammates and my bag to get me best around this, this park? And uh, I just try to, I'm trying to look at it more like that opposed to in that isolated feel. Because when people, if to me, it's like when you acknowledge to yourself, you're alone, you're isolated, it almost puts you in a depression state. I feel like I'm, I'm a people person. I'm a, I love people I'm around and things I do. And I try to take all the elements of what I got, go, what I have to make the best out of it. So in, that situ- in those situations, that's what I try to do. I try to think of my, again, my, my bag as my teammates. It helps if you got playing partners, guys you're playing with too, that you can kind of chat with and, you know, you're not kind of take you out of your competitive mindset in between shots and things like that. So how have you found tournament golf then? You know, uh, what, what's for people that aren't familiar with what you've played in so far and, and the successes and, and, and whatnot you've had, what, what's it been like for you? It's been an experience, you know, it's uh, a lot of what you're saying is like, you know, you learn how to, you learn who you are, you know, learn how you, you, for me on a basketball court, every time I went into the game, like upset or almost like trying to force the game and try to be too locked in or something, it never really worked out for me. My first tournament, I tried to go out there and, you know, be laser focused laser focused what i thought tiger would do or i thought pj's on the range and i think these guys i'm just like super tunnel vision yeah barely speaking to anybody like almost like being that and i i forgot almost where i was at who i am and whatnot i was almost being like that rich dick at the golf club (laughs) just like oh he's super locked in he don't talk to anybody he just wants it's just like that's just not who I am. So once I like loosened up, we just start talking to the guys and, and I call them, I, I, which I shouldn't do because I didn't like it when I was their age. And I call them kids and like, you're growing into young men and I'm playing, but I'm playing with 18, 19, 20 year olds and actually picking their brains on how they see the golf course, how they see life. How do you, you know, what, what's your class schedule? Like, what do you do? Like, who are you almost, you know? And it's, you, I was throughout the first round, I was losing that because I was trying to be so locked in. And then after that, the game just became so much easier because I'm more relaxed. I'm more me. I'm in my element opposed to trying to be somebody I'm not because this is what I think greatness is and what it looks like to me on a golf course. You know, it's like trying to swing like Tiger, knowing you're never going to swing like Tiger. You haven't put in the hours to swing like Tiger, but you're just going to go out there and just think you're going to gonna make it happen. It doesn't work like that. Mm-mm. Well, and it's, there's a, you know, nobody knows the secret to great golf, but like there is an element to being in an athletic flow, low tension state that is more likely to help you play good golf than like super, super intense, super way too focused. Like, I don't know how to, there's no secret to finding that balance, but that's just a learning process pretty much for everyone. So like, especially for me, because like a lot of like shooting and, you know, defense and stuff like that. And obviously golf, a lot of it is with your hands. So if you can get that, tension and that aggression or whatever that that uh, in your hands and you the ball's liable to go anywhere can you compare shooting to a golf swing for me i mean i i i you know so much like we talked about like basketball happens pretty quick there's not a ton of time to think when you got to get a shot up whatnot if you're struggling with your shot and struggling with your swing, is it a similar kind of thing? Like how much you're thinking about it? You, you know, I feel like the more I struggle with my swing, the more I'm thinking about it. The more I struggle with my shot, the more I'm thinking about it. How would you compare the process of those two things? For me, it's uh, repetition. 
like when uh, like anything like how we how we always say like for myself like I've spent so much time in the gym and shooting shots and that's why I, I really love Steph's commercial when he broke that record and because he's like you really think about in the shooter's mindset and obviously he shot and made way more than I have, ever have like when you have when you spent that much time in the gym when people ask me what I used to think about when I used to shoot it's like nothing because that's I don't think about my hands. I don't think about my form. I don't think I got to get this shoulder here. I don't think about none of that. It's just I've done it so much and put myself in those situations mentally, psychologically, so many different times. It's my body just taking over, you know, and in golf, when I, you know, have those swings and it's tough, it's tougher because golf, you can you can hit a good shot and not have the results, you know, and sometimes you just got to live with that part of, of the game. You can hit a 300 yard bomb, but you could also hit a 300 yard bomb that rolls out the 315 and put you in the water or a bunker behind a tree in, in certain areas and whatnot. But then they, it's still a good swing. It's just a matter of, you know, uh, the game and in basketball, it's not as much like that. Like, granted, you can, it can feel good and come off your hands, but I know generally 95% of the times so when I feel the feeling I have, I'm going to make that shot. Very rarely does it rim in and rim out or something like that. I know what that feels like. And granted, I put the time in the hours and like that. So I know Justin Thomas or, you know, those guys when they, from the time they hit the ball, they know exactly where it's going to go. The moment we've all been waiting for since September, finally here in honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. If you bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, you can experience Super Bowl 56 with same game parlays. You can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash Whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code NLU. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If in New York, call 877 877- Hope and Y or text Hope and Y. That's four six seven three six nine. Back to J.R. Smith. Taking you from like day one when you started playing competitive golf or, or college golf, you know, to now, what have you seen out of other players or guys you've played with to make you look and say like, all right, here's where I got to get better, right? Here's the next step for me. What are the strengths and weaknesses of your game? For me, just right now is just mainly short game. My chipping, getting, getting up and down from a around the bunkers and around the greens. It's like playing that bump and run, a low runner or flopping it. And it's just like, that's where I, I know I can shave at least six or seven strokes off my, my game. It's just having that, again, being comfortable doing it so many times where you don't even think about it. I'm still in that stage to where, okay, well, this, am I too open? Am I too close? Am I... How my head looking? This and that. Opposed to just okay, this would look like this is my shot. There's too many other variables into it just because I haven't put enough time and effort into it. Have you looked into? I'm not sure how far along you are in this process. Like analytics at all in golf, or understanding strokes gained, or kind of the math of how it works? Because I'm curious to pick your brain on how that has evolved in basketball as well. But I know for golf, for me, that helped me a lot to understand where you know where the biggest gaps are in some of those areas. 
You know, I, I haven't on my game. Um, I haven't done the analytics uh, enough and took it into account because I'm, I've been such a field player my whole life. You know, I've been known to miss 10, 12 in a row and then go seven in a row, make seven. So I was like, I've tried to stay that away from analytics as much as I could because sometimes you just have a DI test, you know, it's like, okay, this guy averages you know, guys coming out of college, oh, this guy averaged 15 and nine. It's like, okay, cool. Let me see. He's, he's not going to make it up here. Like, it's just not going to, it's just not, you know. So, so but for me, I I, I got to get into more into the analytics of golf because obviously you got to know your misses. You got to figure out what you what you do to, to the <laughs> decimal in golf. Well, I found it intimidating to learn about in the beginning, but the more I learned about it, the more freeing I actually felt like it was. I used to think I was a terrible putter until I learned like, hey, if you have an eight footer for par, like you probably did something wrong along the way. Like you got to take the pressure off your putting, emphasis on the long game, things like that. I think you might, you, you would enjoy learning about some of that stuff. It's actually kind of freeing. You just learn the value of like, man, if you hit the ball in the green, life is pretty darn easy, which is, which is, you know, obvious and whatnot, but like, the fastest way to getting better is get getting the ball on the green close to the hole in regulation. That sounds simple, but um, it's freeing a little bit for like people that struggle with their short game. I think like they put a lot of pressure on it because maybe they're missing more greens than they'd like to think that they are and things like that. So it's pretty, once you turn the corner to that, it's a very interesting world. Yeah, so I was playing uh, when I first got to uh, Cleveland, that's when I really started playing my best golf ever because I, I started playing with Mike Miller. And he really just told me, like, he he took the driver out of my bag. And he said, listen, you're going to hit every three wood. Because the way you hit your three wood, he's like, bro, why are you even hitting the driver? He's like, bro, you can hit that thing 270, 280 and put it in the middle of the, in the, middle of the fairway. And from there, you can play seven iron down into any almost any anywhere you play. And then you can hit to the center of the green and two putt and make par. You can shoot. You can shoot even all day long. I'm over here shooting 85, 89, 90. One day I'll go shoot 76, then I'll go back to shooting 85. It's like, you're making the game way too complicated. You know, you already get, you got everything. You just, you think what the game is, what they show you on TV is the game, and that's not the game. It's not about how good your good shots are. It's how, it's managing your bad shots, managing your average shots is the thing. And people like, I feel like people are getting screwed up on this Bryson thing. I mean, yeah, he's trying to hit it as far as possible, but like you don't, understand how straight Bryson is for how far he hits it it's not that's not something you can just take and apply down the board of hey you should be trying to hit it as far as possible because you know when you even you get down to near that scratch or four or five handicap level like you have a lot of big misses in there that that's what kills you penalty shots and whatnot that's what kills you the most for sure you hit that thing out of bounds you got a good thing going and it's like it's tough I mean especially for when you see somebody like him who's obviously very analytical but I mean, he's using what five degree driver. Yeah, it's nuts. He's but he's still launching it high enough to get it far enough. If you get to give the average, I mean, even the college golfers, you give them a five degree driver, they're not going to hit nowhere near like that. No, no. He's so it's like a unicorn. You got to. I think people. It's tough because obviously we we all think, oh, he's human. I can do this. Or I can do that. I can do this, and then somehow or some way a few years later technology changes so where we can do certain things but i mean these guys are hitting it almost like 70 80 yards past probably further than that past jack and past arnie when these guys are playing at the peak of the game so it's like obviously the technology is helping but at the end of the day that that time effort and energy that you put they put into that game 
it makes a world of difference. For sure. So where do you play a lot of your golf? Like where do you, and how does, how does that relate to how you travel for your school schedule and whatnot? And, uh, and tell us about that. I'm a golf nomad. I play everywhere. Like I play travel. I was a member of Bayonne up here in Jersey for a while. It's a great club. Um, it's just not enough guys. There's like more of a corporate situation. So guys come in from the city and stuff like that. So you pretty much play by yourself all the time and you got to walk. And I hate the situation. I hate situation where you have to walk. Like, you know, I, I want to give me the option unless I'm playing at Pine Valley every day. So we got to talk <laughs> about that. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I play everywhere, man. I, I, I really love the game. I really love different tracks and I love a lot of public courses that people, you know, a lot of people are turned into golf snobs and only want to play logo courses or places that's really top 100s and stuff like that. But for me, it's like just being out there with the game and I'll play a, cause you still got to hit the shots. I don't care how good the track is. You, if you can't hit the shots and you don't got it that day, it don't matter where you play. So what, what, tell me about Pine Valley. I know you, you made some headlines with some shopping you did in the pro shop there, but I'm sure there was more to that experience. Yeah, no that. pro shop is safe, man. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> one of the slogans I live by. I, I, my, my goal one day is to have my golf closet look like a pro shop. <laughs> I'm a big uh, golf swag kind of guy, and there's so many different things that you can do. I just got some new ferals in. I got a, uh, one of my sets of my sticks. It's like the pool sticks, um, different colors on them and stuff like that. So I, I'm a swag junkie when it comes to the game. But, yeah, Pine Valley, man, that place is it's special. It's special. Just, just walking out there, stepping on the grounds, it just feels different. And by far the best practice range I've ever seen. Mm. Pro Shop is unbelievable. That's why I had to rate it. And it's in Jersey. So, you know, I'm a Jersey boy. So I had to represent, man. It's funny. It was, it's crazy that I found a game that I love so much. And it just turns out that the number one course in the country is in Jersey. And it's like, you know, a place like that. That's my bucket list membership. It never probably never happened, but I'm holding that up in my head one day. I never say never there. What's the, is that the, is that the best course you played or what's your favorite course you've ever played? That's my best. That's the the best in my favor. It's just yeah. it's tough. Obviously, it's 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 a hard course, but the the vision, the views you get out there, and it's second to none. I think to me, I'm a big I'm a big leaves and trees and the fall guy. That scenery with that layout that they have is pretty remarkable. Well, have you had any pro golfers reach out to you at all? You know, either helping you with your game or encouraging you on on your competitive golf path, or do you work with anyone? You know, on on your swing or anything like that? I'm pretty cool with some of the guys. DJ's uh, has been really cool. Uh, Brooks, uh, JT. I met Rory a few times back in the day when I was playing with the Knicks. I met Tony Finau. He's he was really dope. I played in Ricky's amazing. I played with Ricky in the AT&T uh, Pro-Am, and I played with him at, um, in Greensboro. What's the name of the tournament? Wyndham. Yeah, Wyndham. Yep. Mackenzie Hughes is cool. St. John's, Boston kid. Keegan Bradley. Keegan is, Keegan is really dope. I got a funny Keegan story, and I really feel bad. I still feel bad about it. <laughs> uh, You're smiling, he, so you don't feel that bad about it. I, I, I really do, because it was like one of those moments where you put your foot in your mouth and it's just like, fuck. He actually hooked me up with a couple spots in New York because he went to St. John's and whatnot. So he, when I was playing with the Knicks, he looked me out a few times. But funny King and Bradley story. So I'm at the Players' Championship in um, Sawgrass, just out there watching and whatnot, Friday evening. 
Well, yeah, Friday evening, I'm about to go to dinner or whatever. And I see him in the lobby and I'm like, oh man, yeah, whatever, whatever. Instead of just, instead of asking him how he played, I just, you know, hey man, what uh, what time you tee out tomorrow? I'm gonna come out and watch. And he missed the cut. Mm, that's all and that coming. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit. And you know, it's one of those things where you, you, you know, it's like awkward. Yeah. You know, his lady's looking like, uh, thanks. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> he, like, he was probably like, you know, obviously upset and whatnot. So it was just like, oh shit, man. Like, I hate when I make a situation like that worse. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> that it's, happens. It's I'm sure that happens all the time for them. That, that, uh, <laughs> what's, yeah, what's on your, on your golf bucket list? So, and that could be courses or, or achievement wise. Like, what do you, you know, how do you see your, your path going forward? I would like to get as, as good as I could be in competitive golf. I don't know if I can, you know, that's tour level or anything like that. Cause I, I, that's obviously a lot of work and guys are really, really good who aren't even on the tour. So people keep asking me, Hey, you going to go pro? I'm like, you have no idea. I don't even want to disrespect these dudes and say I could, but for me, I really want to grow the game. Um, I really want to have my own tournaments. I want to start a, um, one of my goals is to make an HPCU tournament to where you know, we're getting as much notoriety as the uh, NCAA championships. Um, There's just so much, so much talent out there for our schools, and we just don't have enough resources or get enough notoriety for it. So I really want to grow the game in that aspect and be more of um, involved with the PGA programs, try to get more HBCU schools to have PGA programs, because a lot of these kids want to go into, you know, go major in golf and want to do some things in golf to be really special and feel what they feel is successful. So as many opportunities I can recreate for these kids, that's my goal, uh, especially around this game, because I love it so much. And it's just uh, a shame that we don't have uh, the resources and opportunities to play the game as early as other people. So that's my that's my major. That's my main goal. Well, that's great to hear. And I want to pick your brain on, I hear the phrase grow the game so much. And I, I almost roll my eyes at it. So, some, you know, at some point, because I, I feel like people misuse that phrase so much and don't focus on the actual things that will help grow it. So what is that? How, how does golf kind of, you just laid out a couple things there that I think are immediate in terms of, you know, you're talking about an HBCU championship. Like, I don't think people think it through in terms of what that can mean trickle down in terms of junior golf and people having an example uh, for people to, you know, of different backgrounds to strive for something like that. I'm wondering if you could lay out, you know, in your experience and, and, you know, both growing up as a kid and also as more as an adult, how do how do we do it? Right. I hear a lot of ideas from people, but I don't hear a lot that, uh, you know, are actionable. For me, again, it starts with giving kids something to look up to, some as inspiration. And I think Tiger has done that for a numerous amount of uh, races. But uh, for us, that's our, you know, that's MJ. That's like, that's the, he's to us, he's the, he's the GOAT. For have one person who represent, you know, who quote unquote looks like you and that represents so many, you know, just the game alone and be, you know, the greatest at it, it gave so many of us, you know, hope to even try the game out because it's been, you know, in the African-American community, it's obviously it's an expensive sport, but it's always basketball, football, or rap or something like that. So when you give kids a different opportunity and different outlook, like, oh, I can, I can play golf or I can code or I can do 
anything other than just the the, the the stereotypical thing. Even now, like people ask me, like, oh man, like I had a dude ask me, he's like, oh man, what position you play? I was like, I don't play ball, bro. I'm a golfer. He was like, golfer. I'm like, yeah. Just giving kids a different outlook and different perspectives. That's my that's my main goal. Honestly, when I post, I, I stopped really posting a lot of. Uh, workout videos of me like hooping and stuff and really try to post images and pictures of me on a golf course because I know a lot of kids look up to me and want to see me especially kids who look like me so I want to give them that like damn he plays golf why he love golf so much just to give them even if they want to just try it you know just to figure it out if you like if you like it to have the opportunity to to make up your mind and, and to have that space to if I want to or if I just in case if I do like the game or love and end up loving the game or end up hating the game, whatever, just to give you the option. Yeah. The entry point. That's what people, that's what people need. Even getting the thought process started. And I think I always say like, man, golf is, is a life sport, football, basketball. I mean, you can, you can hoop until you're 60 or whatever, but I feel like at a certain point, your body starts to not treat you as well. You know, in, in golf, like, you can you can play it truly forever and it you're outdoors that's just something really rewarding about doing that and you know and that's like another thing too is just it's a great it's a great place for networking for you you know for for 100%. people of all kinds of backgrounds so i i uh I, I i try to advocate as much as i can for the game of golf for people that you know are not into it or want to get into it it's just it's hard to learn, man. I know Top Golf and First Tee and Youth yeah. on Course are doing a great job of introducing people to the game, and I do think there's a very good chance for it. But I think to your point exactly, that's why I love seeing so many different professional athletes congregate around golf, and the momentum there feels huge. I mean, it, you can't look at, like I, – I, I see so many people of different kinds of backgrounds, you know, graduating from professional uh, other sports and playing golf now, and that makes it – I don't know. It makes it – it gives golf a cool factor, right, which if we're – like. I got made fun of for playing golf in high school. I mean, that was just, that was the thing. And I think we're close. It's, it's a, it's a thing that's going to take a long time, but we're close to golf, like really taking on a much more approachable, you know, look to it. I don't know. That's my opinion. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you got guys like MJ and Steph did with uh, was the Ryder cup, mm -hmm. you know, and then you see like, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. And, you know, so many different guys, so many different guys, in different sports and, and, and atmospheres and you come together because of the game of golf. And, you know, as a, for me, I know for sure if I'm a young 9, 10, 11 year old kid, black kid who, who looks up to Steph Curry or trying to figure out who Michael Jordan is or, you know, obviously Ken Griffey and whatnot. And I'm, you know, following these guys like I'm definitely intrigued on them playing golf. Like, what is it about the game at this point? You know, so it's it's, it's the platforms is there. I just think it's more of a. There's got to be more of a responsibility for me, uh, to me, you know. I mean, MJ's done so much to, for the game of golf already with just, you know, golf shoes and um, a couple of sponsorships of some of the guys uh, having his own golf course and the experiences that he's, you know, uh, gone through in certain instances at certain country clubs with people and stuff like that, just to hear that to translate into him owning his own golf course and stuff like that. As a young black kid in this country, you get to be inspired by the game and not only just, just by, you know, the people who've laying foundations and forefronts in front of you, you know, and then 
MJ and Steph Curry and King Griffey Jr. Those guys are pillars in their sports and they're bringing their their following over to the game of golf and it's it's making the game so much better. And the game, like you said earlier, the game was like, the game is a a lot of life lessons. It it teaches you integrity and honesty and with not only with your counterparts, but with yourself. You can't cheat yourself. You can't sit up there and say, oh, I got a four. No, you got a, no damn well, you got a six. No matter what you're gambling for, they let you get away with it, win the bet. You feel that inside. Forever. Have you played golf with MJ? I haven't. No. I haven't. We talk, whenever we see each other, we talk smack all the time, but we haven't actually got a, got on the match yet. Got you. About Larry Fitzgerald, I hear you, you've played with some with him. Yeah, Larry, man, Larry's probably one of the greatest human beings I've, I've met on this planet, man. He's he's such a great dude. He's... I mean, he, he he talks a lot of smack on the golf course, of course. He's he's a hell of a competitor. But is he a sandbagger? He gets he gets some flack for his handicap because he wins a lot of these amateur events. I'm gonna tell you why Larry gets flack at these events. Larry, I think he's like a ten or eleven, right? Something like that. Larry is a ten or eleven because Larry plays at Whisper Rock. He plays at Seminole. He plays at a hoopy. He plays at every top 20 club in the country. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't play rinky dink public tracks or whatever. He's playing the toughest tracks every time he steps out and he's literally punching in every single score. So if you do it like that to me, I mean, it's just going to happen. I mean, you playing, you know, a top 10 course, you hit that thing out of bounds nine times out of 10. If you're, an amateur golfer, it's still going to be hard to get it up and down or in for just bogey. You're going to make some doubles and triples for sure. Hmm. Have you been to a hoopy? I haven't. Okay. You got to put that one up on your, up on your list as well. What are some of the, what are some of your, you know, you, you talked earlier about some of the, you know, public courses and, and, you know, off the beaten track courses that you've really liked. Is there any examples that come to mind of places that really speak to your soul? Public tracks. Um, we have a spot in Greensboro. It's two 18s as champions and the players called Brian Park. The Champions is one of my favorite courses. It's just so it's the the back nine is so beautiful. It's on the water, so uh, like on the lake. Yeah, there's what is it? It's a spot in Cleveland and Independence. Uh, a lot of them I don't know the names, but mm-hmm. beyond the public tracks. But when I once I once I get hip to it, I'm just a, a repeat offender. You know, I just go back and back and back and back. So. I, it's it's tough for me, but there's another spot, Charleston Springs, down here in Jersey, in South Jersey, by my mom's. It's right, actually, it's right next to Matitacon, a gym, three nines, another second best practice range I've ever seen, next to uh, Pine Valley. But Charleston Springs is really good. It's a really good public track. It's a lot of um, what do you call it? Fescue. It's a link style spot. It's really nice. Did you travel with your golf clubs in the NBA? I mean, and what's that like? Does it go on the team play? How's that work? Every trip. So when I used to play, when I first started, I was playing in Denver. I would bring my sticks. It actually made one of my coaches really happy, which I hated his guts because I really didn't care. <laughs> uh, it made him happy, but um, I got to New York. I would travel with my clubs. Woody, Coach Woodson, he played golf, so we used to play golf a lot on the road. Uh, when I got to Cleveland, I stopped playing as much because they had this stigma about me. And, 
you know, not being focused, want to do this, want to do that. So I wanted to show everybody that I was just going to play basketball, just go home, be a model citizen, whatever, whatever. Doing things I would normally do, but obviously being in New York and being in, but I would travel with my clubs. And then we got to the year we lost in 15. So I, I didn't play in Golden State. I played in Atlanta. Kyrie got hurt. Uh, K-Love had got hurt in the first round against Boston. So I didn't play in the finals. And the next year, after losing, I didn't do anything. Just, uh, didn't play at all. Didn't carry my clubs. I was just laser focused on trying to win a chip. The next year, everybody was telling me, because I had a lot going on with my daughter. She had just came out as a preemie and uh, just came from back from being injured, with broken thumb and whatnot. And it was just a weird, weird situation. So they were like, man, you need to play golf. Just like stress out. You know, you got a lot going on, whatever, whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool. Play golf. And they catered me for it. <laughs> <laughs> they hated me for it. I missed a couple of team dinners because the traffic and whatnot. And um, some of the guys weren't too happy with me. So then the next year, come back, I didn't. I didn't play golf out of nowhere. Some stigma started going around like, oh, he loves golf more than he loves basketball. Just to like, you know, because they wanted to at, at that time, they wanted to play. I forgot who it was. They wanted to play somebody else ahead of me. So they needed some something to go to Brown with to be like, you know, like, you know, make it a reason for them to bring me off the bench. I'm like, dude, it's no problem. Like, if you want to bring me off the bench and you think he's better than me, you, by all means, you're the coach. You can do that, you know, whatever. Don't just, but don't try to make it seem like I'm more focused on golf than basketball. Like that, and this is the finals. That's like, that's ridiculous. But, is that how really how things flowed? Like if, through Bron? I mean, I'm a LeBron fan. I've been a, I've been a LeBron fan for a long time. I'm really curious as to, as to how the, that communication flows. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, everything flows through Bron. I mean, man, I love LeBron to death, and, you know, but you think about it, it's like he's LeBron James. You think you're about to make a lineup change without confronting him? Yeah. Like, letting him know. <laughs> like, you think about it, if Phil Jackson was going to make a lineup change, you didn't think he went to Michael Jordan and said, hey, I'm about to switch it up, what you yeah. think? Like, and people, and I, and I hate, like, people try to make it seem like he's, a, he's the coach or he does – too much he has too much input on it like if you think about it like you think these guys wasn't going to Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas when they were making lineup changes and stuff like hey what do you think about this like, you got to be out your damn mind like of course they're going to ask them and what you've been around you know you've played with a lot of players you know over the course of your career what 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 is it like playing with LeBron in terms of you know not just the basketball part but the off-court like you know practices and communication and the desire to win a championship I'm I'm curious how you'd compare that to any other players you played with in your career. No, I can't compare it to anybody I've ever played with. Um, his his focus and drive and determination and to be great as well as his uh, he's got a a knack for people. You know, obviously he's LeBron, he's an icon, and people just gravitate to him or whatever. But he's like. He can remember a conversation we had when we were 16 in Akron at, at his at his house then. And, you know, like he's he, his memory of who people are and what things happen or occurred is, is is amazing. You know, just a credit to who he is as a not only as a person, but just his mind. You know, people look at it as a basketball mind. He can sit obviously he could he'll sit there and tell you every game he played, play by play as the game went on. Hmm. And, you know, you talk to Tiger and he's like, 
I was watching interviews and stuff, and he'll sit and tell you shots he's hit 12 years ago, 15 years ago, what hole, what shot he was trying to hit, what his mindset was, and all of that. And he's like, damn, this dude's really great. Like, that's like that's amazing. But then, again, you go off the court, he's like, he's one of the most caring people. But it's like, it's it's different. It's like the way he, I tell him all the time, like, bro, you got to, you might as well run for president. Like, you move like the president already. So it's like, I don't know. The, the physical strength and uh, athletic ability at the age he's at now is what just blows my mind. I mean, it just takes such unbelievable discipline. I can't really, I can't really understand it. Let me, let me, if I'm, if I'm unloading some basketball questions here, going back, you guys are down three, one in 2016. And, and honestly, how much belief was there in the room down three, one against a 73 and nine team in that time frame? When the game was over, we were, Furious, like no, it was, it was, you know, uh, it wasn't even. We were so upset to the point to where we weren't even. Uh, nobody was like, you know, going off in a locker room. Nobody was cursing somebody out. Nobody was uh, slamming shit and like stuff like that. We were so furious within each individual being. Like it was so quiet in there, and it was like for T. Lewis, like he didn't even have to say anything. The flight back was eerie, you know, it was like a six, it was like a six hour flight, five and a half. And literally crickets the whole flight. When I tell you one of the by far, not even close, the most united team I've ever been a part of was the quietest plane ride ever for five and a half hours. Hmm. It was like you were we were in like you would have thought we were it was a regular united flight or something like that and we didn't know each other <laughs> and when i tell you this is what i mean it's 2022 <clears throat> i i don't think it's been day uh, a day where our group chat has it ringed off wow we still go like nonstop, and it's it's, it's crazy because that, that tells you from for me in that moment like we cared about one another so bad that we didn't want one another to lose. You know, I didn't want, I, I, I hate it when people sat there and, and, you know, I still do compare MJ to Brian, but when, we're, when you're in the heat of that battle and you hear the, the noise from the outside, you really take it on. Like they talking about you, bro. Hmm. Like, like, like you talking about me at this point. Like I'm not helping him succeed to do his job to where he's, being looked at as the greatest so that's on me too you know and i and i, I looked at it like that with Melo, with ai with chauncey or all the tp all the guys i play with because it's like if i'm not if you if you're not being the superstar that you are then it's my fault because i it's my job to help you you putting up the numbers you the all-star every year whatever whatever it's my job to help you and isn't it like i find it insane how much scrutiny and pressure comes on the best player of a 12-man team uh, legacy-wise in terms like if you're talking about some of those Cavs teams that LeBron brought to the finals and like he gets his finals record cited against him I it, to me that just cut like those people didn't play basketball like you have to understand how important the eighth guy is on that team it's not as important as the first player but like you can't win without a strong eighth man or seventh man or say like the, do do you see like way too much emphasis, credit and blame being put on top players? Like you know, you could name anybody uh, in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think so. A lot of it is just that's what sells. Yeah, you know, 
And it's like for I've I've watched players turn into commentators and change positions on the way they think and the way they act and the way they, they carry themselves. It's just like, bro, you don't have to be like that to be on TV or whatever you think you have to do. Like you don't have to say it and do the things that you do. Like I don't like it's a thing I relate to Shaq. I don't have no problem with Shaq. Shaq is a good dude to me. He never really did nothing to me like that, whatever. But like when you talked about when you talk about players and a person in your position, like you Shaq, bro. Like to me, if I have a problem with a player or don't like something the player is doing and I'm Hall of Famer, everybody looks at me like big bro, whatever, I should be able to call you and be like, yo, man, just to, you know, trying to give you some guidance, shed some light on, look, I, I, whether I do like what you're doing or I don't like what you're doing, but just to give you, try to help you through the situation, situation with Donovan Mitchell. Like, you don't have to say that on TV. If you want to, quote, unquote, give somebody inspiration, you don't need He don't need that. Call him like, look, man, you, you're doing a great job. I want to, you know, people are talking crazy about you, but I want to see you do well, whatever, whatever, whatever. If that's what you really mean, but to say it like that in, in front of millions publicly like that, like, you don't, nobody deserve that type of scrutiny to anybody, you know, especially after you just won. You just won a game. Now I got to go home feeling like shit because Shaq just went at me pretty much. But now I'm supposed to feel confident. Be, oh, I, I'm not, I can't feel soft or anything like that. I can't feel some type of way because now I'm mentally, uh, a mental, uh, what do you call it? A mental midget or I, like it's, you can't win. Yeah. Do you miss playing hoops? It seems like you miss it some. You know, I miss playing. Um, I haven't played since August 17th. Um, and it was like just to pick up one of my uh, – P.J. Harrison had a little pro-am league in uh, Greensboro, and I played out there. But other than that, I haven't played. I miss it a lot. Um, I just miss the, the gym, honestly. Walking to the gym, my routines, touching the ball, stuff like that. I don't miss the NBA um, just because – I miss the NBA because playing against the top guys and the camaraderie of it, that's what I've grown to accustomed to know as far as where I felt comfortable in and being able to, if I had something going on mentally, I could always get in the gym and do whatever I need to do, whatever, just that, that, uh, that sense of comfortability. Um, I don't miss the politics of the game, the propaganda of the game, the way we we slander one another as black men in the game, like around the game. I don't, I don't like that. I don't understand that aspect of it. So that from that side of it, I'm happily removed. So it makes it, it makes it easier for me. Who's the hardest player in the NBA to guard? Uh, hardest player in the NBA to guard. I would have to say either Katie or Kyrie. They're probably the two greatest offensive players I've ever seen. But uh, Kyrie definitely. Um, Katie's not something we've never seen before, and it's just easy, so easy for him to score and to be efficient. Kyrie is – he's probably arguably, for me, the, one of the greatest scorers of all time because he can do it. He can score at every level, finishing right hand, left hand, creativity, mid-range, handles, three-pointer, off the dribble, spot up, free throws, contact. I mean, he – with the ball, he just – he's a magician. He does it all. Uh, not too many people can do it all. You know, there's always somewhere somebody's pretty much lacking in the, in, the, in the offensive area in their game where you can see the 
you know, people will rely on, talk about James, he just relies on free throws. People talk about Giannis, he just runs to the basket and just goes dunk or whatever. But for Kyrie, is like a really a scientist at work. He's really like, you know, throw two post-ups in there. I'll throw a spot-up three. I'll throw a pull-up three. I'll throw a couple layups in there, free, free throws, mid-range jumper. Uh, like his – He's the technician. He's the master at his work, man. So, and being around him for those couple of years was like, it was amazing because the stuff he would do in practice, and we would do everything. Like he, him, and Brown would always like play against each other, and he'll go. Brown will go on the second unit. He'll play with the first unit just to make it, you know, somewhat competitive. And we used to like Brown would throw schemes at him, throw double teams, throw triple teams, go boxing one, go triangle two, and Kyrie would just. Like, it was ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, I could sit here and talk hoops with you for an hour. We're going to close this on a golf question, though. What is your career low? What's your best round ever? Um, our career went under. I oh, shot 70, 71. I never shot a 60s yet. It's never. coming, though. It's coming. Do you feel it coming? You know, I do. I feel like my game is really getting a lot better. But more than anything, I'm feeling more comfortable with managing different golf courses and managing my game. I feel better and more confident with that. One thing I can say about college golf, it's made me hone this in on my areas of my game instead of just going out there and spraying it. So, Well, man, this was honestly one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. Absolutely fascinating chatting with you. We, uh, we look forward to following your, your golf career, and uh, we got to do this again sometime, please. We really appreciate your time, JR. Thank you. Appreciate it. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect any 